plan tonight. I know it's a Wednesday night on top of all of that. So, but I think that uh, the song, we chose a few that mean a lot to us. We've been, been blessed to be able to sing out some more together and practice some more, and it's been really good. I mean, the services we've been a part of and the Holy Spirit's really been moving, and uh, man, it's just, it's a revival in our own hearts to be able to get out there and see that the Lord is still working and still moving just by simply singing songs that have meant something to us and preaching the gospel. It's the formula that's worked for thousands of years, and it's still working today, and it's exciting to see. And even though it's a Wednesday night, and even though we got a bunch of stuff going on, I hope that we can just take a little bit of time in his word a little bit later, but also in song to kind of prepare our hearts, and I hope they're a blessing to you, and I hope we can all worship together. Faithful through the ages God of Abraham, you're the God of covenant and faithful promises. And time and time again, you have proven you'll do just what you said. Though the storms may come and the winds may blow, I remain steadfast. And let my heart learn when you speak a word, it will come to pass great is your faithfulness to me great is your faithfulness to me from the rising sun to the setting scene I will praise your is your faithfulness to me when the seasons change you remain the same oh god from age to age though the earth may pass away your word remains the same. History can prove there's nothing you can't do. You're faithful and true. Though the storms may come and the winds may blow, I remain steadfast. And let my heart learn when you speak a word, it will come to pass. Great. Is your faithfulness to me? Great is your faithfulness to me. From the rising sun to the setting scene, I will praise your Faithfulness to you. 
and on my playlist on repeat for probably about three months now. And uh, man, I, I was gonna give a testimony about it and stuff like that, but I mean, I think it is, uh, it's enough of a testimony in itself. And the way that Katie sings it and the words, man, I just hope we take it in and I hope we relate it to our life because I know there's more people than just me and more people than just Katie who's singing it. It's coming from a place of our own testimony and things that we go through personally daily. And uh, I think it speaks for itself, man. I hope it's a blessing to you.
sufficient for today. If you have a Bible, turn to Luke chapter 14, please. Like I said before, I know uh, <laughs> what I'm up against. Um, and my wife can attest. I, I told her just this afternoon about what I was thinking about preaching on. And she's like, you're all over the place. Because that's a lot different than what I was going to preach on a couple days ago. So, like I was saying before we sang, even though it's a Wednesday night and... Even though we have festivities planned, I'm just going to preach what the Lord put on my heart, and I hope that you guys get something out of it just as much as I did. So in Luke chapter number 14, it's going to start reading in verse 1, I'll read down to verse 6, and the Bible says, And it came to pass, as he went into the house of one of the chief Pharisees to eat bread on the Sabbath day, that they watched him. And behold, there was a certain man before him which had the dropsy. And Jesus answering spake unto the lawyers and Pharisees, saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath day? And they held their peace, and he took him, and healed him, and let him go. And answered them, saying, Which of you shall have an ass or an ox fallen into a pit, and will not straightway pull him out on the Sabbath day? And they could not answer him again to these things. Let's go to prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you for bringing us into your house tonight, God. I pray, Lord, that through it all, through the days that we had, whether it be in school or work or whatever it is we've taken on today, I pray, Lord, that we would be able to give you a little bit of time this evening. I hope the songs were preparing our hearts for worship, God, and I hope that the, the preaching that is done, you can use it, God, in spite of my flesh and in spite of who I am. I pray that you would just use me a vessel for you tonight. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Verse 1. I, on the way here, I was kind of looking at it as it's... Didn't really have anything out of that at first, but it kind of hit me. In verse 1, it says, And it came to pass, as he went into the house of one of the chief Pharisees to eat bread on the Sabbath day, that they watched him. And something that stuck out to me, been tested, and he's been put in these situations over and over and over again. And in this situation right here, he knew what he was going into. He was going in, into one of the head Pharisees' homes. He knew other lawyers and Pharisees were going to be there. He's already known throughout the other stories in the New Testament that they tried to test him and put him in a position where they can call him out on something. And he knew this was going to be no different, but yet he accepted the invitation. And it sticks out to me, and you might say, what do you mean, Robbie? What I mean by that is he knew their wicked hearts. He knew their desires but yet he chose to meet with them anyway. And the reason that sticks out to me, and it kind of slapped me on the face before I even got here, was because no matter how many times that I have come into the church house sometimes, and the Lord knows my heart. He knows our hearts. He knows sometimes we pull ourselves through these doors and we really don't want to be here. We haven't gone to him in prayer in a few, a few weeks. We haven't read our Bible like we should. We're just coming because it's the Baptist thing to do, and we feel like we're scratching off the attendance chart sometimes. And listen, I'll be real with you. I don't have to get too many amens. I know I'm not the only one that's guilty of this, but I'm so glad that there has been many Wednesday nights or Sunday nights or even Sunday mornings that my heart has not been in it and my heart has not been in the right place, but the Lord has still decided to meet with me. It does not matter where I'm at. Because just like the song that Katie sang, it doesn't matter if you're going through a joyful time or a sorrowful time. It doesn't matter if you're, going, you're standing on the mountain or you're in the valley. God always remains the same. He's always constant. So it honestly doesn't matter. Now, I should have the right attitude. We should have the right attitude when we come in here. Our focus should be on everything that the Lord has for us, what he has for us in our personal walk with him, what he has for us in that worship service, what he has for us in a prayer meeting on a Wednesday night. We know our head's not always there, but he's always here, ready to meet with us. 
That stuck out to me. Because he knew what he was getting into. He knew what was coming. But he decides to meet with any. He'll accept. You read through the New Testament over and over again, reading, leading up to Luke. He meets with everybody. There's very, I, don't, I can't think of one scenario where he hasn't accepted an invitation, whether it was a Pharisee or whether it was somebody that was not even in the religious crowd. Somebody that was cast out and more looked and frowned upon to even be around. That was kind of a bonus in verse 1. Verse 2. And behold, there was a certain man before him which had the dropsy. So, what's different about this particular situation than all of the other miracles that he was able to perform is because in every other situation, you either have the person that needs either the healing or the deliverance approaching Christ. Or you have their friends or their family or the disciples themselves. Somebody is bringing them to Christ. In this situation, it, from what we're given here in Luke, it's not telling us any of that. Meaning that he's not being presented to Christ here. It's just saying that he was present. Now, as we go on further, we're going to realize and probably scratch a little bit under the surface here and realize why he was present. But what stuck out to me was the fact that God was there willing to answer the call when he wasn't even called upon. And the reason that that blessed my heart during the time of studying this was there has been many times in my life that the Lord has blessed me with something and blessed me with a prayer that was that's answered before I even had a chance to ask him. I didn't even present him with a trial. I didn't present him with a situation. He just all of a sudden just to just to Bless me with things that come along, and in the moment, you're like, man. At first, you're like, how did you know? Oh, wait, okay. And I don't know if that's ever happened to you all, but, but see what's going on here. The man with dropsy, it doesn't say that the man with dropsy came to him. It doesn't say that he was brought to him. It just says there was a certain man before him which had the dropsy. There was somebody there that had this sickening disease. And this disease is extremely painful. And the people that have this type of disease, it's very easy to pick them out most of the time in the crowd and what he's dealing with. And that stuck out to me because in, aren't you glad that we serve a God that sometimes you don't even have to necessarily go to him in prayer. You don't necessarily have to focus on it. And sometimes it might be things that you just don't even want to take before him because you're like, what is he going to care about that? It, we, we go through this mindset in life sometimes that we don't want to bother him with the little things. But aren't you glad that sometimes he answers our prayers when we don't even have to ask? Sometimes he delivers us through things when we don't even have to ask. Sometimes he puts us in situations and brings us out of the valley sometimes when we don't even have to go to him because he's always there. Verse 3 and 4. Man, we're moving quick. I know, I, look, I can see it in your eyes. You guys, I don't know if all you all know what's over there. I don't know what they have over there, but you all look like you're ready to party. All right? I see it in your eyes. Verses 3 through 4. And Jesus answering spake unto the lawyers and Pharisees, saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath day? And they held their peace. And he took him, and he healed him, and let him go. This portion starts to stick out to us more than anything. This portion has been, this passage has been preached before. I even remember Mike preaching this, and I've heard it through multiple passages. Like, this is where you start getting into the meat and what everybody usually goes to. And what really sticks out to me right away was how when you ask, when Jesus asks the right question to you, when the right question is asked, it will leave you speechless. And what I mean by that is, there are so many times, whether we are dealing with God directly, or whether we are dealing with another Christian brother, that, and it's not just Baptists that are guilty of this, we're all guilty of this. We love to be on the end of, we want to be the ones informing, versus being the ones that are informed. You always want to be the one. It doesn't matter who you are. Now, some, are some have a much harder time with ego and pride. 
really glad my wife's not in here so she doesn't stand up and holler and say amen to that. But there are plenty of people that just don't want to be wrong. And this kind of goes in line with, I love the question. And obviously, yeah, it's Jesus. Of course he asks that question. Of course he knows how to handle the situation. But they're speechless. And if you don't know why, or you've never heard this before, or you just need a recap, the reason that they are speechless is because they're darned if they do, darned if they don't. They are in a situation where if they answer him and they say, yep, you're not supposed to do anything on the Sabbath. You're not supposed to do miracles on the Sabbath. Then that's going to make everybody around them is going to be like, you guys are awful people. What kind of people are you that you're not going to heal this guy dropsy on the Sabbath? They know the crowd they're in. And then if they sit there and be like, oh, yeah, it's, it, it is, it's fine. It's fine. Then they're, then they're giving up. They're giving in, and their pride's not going to allow that because that means they gave an inch. So they actually chose a pretty logical route, and they're like, we don't want to be, we're just going to be Switzerland here. We're not going to answer. Mm-mm. Not answering. And you say, what does this have to do with anything in our daily lives and how we can apply it? Because our beliefs should be held accountable to the truth of God versus tradition. Now, this is something that I do not expect any amens on, because if you remember, it wasn't that long ago where a certain individual gave a sermon up here, and it wasn't necessarily God's truth, it was more about scripture versus tradition. That, that night, it was pretty quiet too. So I don't expect it, but for some reason the Lord put it on my heart, probably because I need to hear it, but I feel like other people need to hear it. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, sometimes we have to ask ourselves these logical questions. We have to ask ourselves, or sometimes we're afraid to go too deep in prayer because we're worried that God's going to ask us these questions and it starts digging a little bit deeper than we want to because it does hurt the pride. It does hurt the ego sometimes to figure out what is God's truth, what's scripture versus just what's tradition that we've always done and that's how I was raised and that's just what I've always known. And you say, what do you mean, Robbie? I've been in churches, been in churches where they worry more about the soul of the young lady coming in. They're, worried, they're not worried as much about her soul rather than her skirt is an inch and a quarter above her ankle or the true blasphemy comes in and she wears pants and like she's like they're going to like perform an exorcism and again I'm not saying I, I have literally been in places and around people that they are so hung up on that type of stuff and if we just ask these questions to our own heart and our own soul and we get alone with God and he starts to put these questions on us he's gonna start doing things in your life that you never thought was possible because right now you're kind of in a rut and you don't even know it if we're so hung up on the fact of what people wear more than their soul more than where they are going to spend eternity I mean God could flat out ask you what that girl's wearing on Sunday morning, is that going to save her? And then I guarantee you, there are some churches and some people in those churches that would be just like the Pharisees. And a logical question like that, where you're just like, Robbie, you're stretching a little too far. What are you talking about? No one would ever do that. There are places all around this country that are like that. And I'm not saying it's all on this side of the coin, because... I understand there's a balance. There's the opposite end that just want to preach about a Jesus that is all about love and doesn't care about your sin. But he cares enough about your sin when you're lost because he knows that sin is what's going to keep you from having intercession and a relationship with him. And he wants to take it from you. But there's some people, like I said, they're, they're, they're the opposite side of the coin is you just throw everything out and come as you are 
do what you want. God loves you. It doesn't matter what you're doing, how you live your life. So I get that there's a balance. But the thing that stuck out to me, because of how the Pharisees are coming across in this sense, we look at this story thousands of years ago, and we're like, how can they sit there and be this clouded that they're going to keep this individual from getting healing because of their pride and because of, it probably isn't even, it's probably more about their pride than really they even think that tradition is that valid. They just don't want to give any ground. We can't be like that, y'all. I'm serious. We, we can't be like that. When we have many people, whether it's a Wednesday night, a Sunday morning, a Sunday night, a revival, whatever it may be, that are coming into this church house for the very first time. And I grew up in Nottingham. I was born and raised here. Not everybody's perfect, but I'm telling you right now, Nottingham is pretty good. And we're a loving church here. And we're very inviting, and we, and we take people in, and we're good about it. But it doesn't mean that in all the time that I've been in Nottingham that there wasn't some bad apples that tried to mess up the bushel here. And the reason it's important for us all to be on the same page is because the reality is if we're holding on to some things so tight and we're letting those traditions that aren't necessarily God's truth sway how we look at an individual and how we live our Christian life, man, we got to get out of that rut. And we have to ask ourselves some of these questions to figure out what really matters. The other thing through three and four, and this is the sad portion. This is what made me pretty sad. So in verse four, and they held their peace. We talked about the Pharisees. And he took them, he healed them, let them go. Now, like I said a little bit earlier, why this matters. Now, there's not any specifics of how he ended up at this dinner. There's no, there's no specifics given in Scripture. But from all the studying that I could do, and what I gather, and it pretty much goes along with everything that's been going on and how the Pharisees have been trying to trip him up, they planted him here. The Pharisees wanted this man with dropsy to be here. Because the whole plan, this is what we said in the very beginning, the Lord went anyway because he knew their plan. He knew their thoughts. He knew what they were trying to do. But the only reason they had this individual that needed deliverance from something there was because they wanted to catch Jesus in something that they could convict him with and use it against him. And this is where it gets sad. Because the man with dropsy, it doesn't say anything about in some of the other passages when he heals miracles, he has people that follow him afterwards, people that fall at his feet, people that worship him, people that realize that he is the real deal and they actually create a personal relationship with Jesus. It never happened here. As far as I know, from what scripture tells me, it never did. He was there for one purpose. The Pharisees had him there to catch up Jesus and then he got the healing. They put Jesus in that position. But ultimately, the man that got deliverance from it just left. And he missed out on what matters. Yeah, he got healing from his dropsy, but he left just as lost as when he came in. And you say, what are you getting at, Robbie? I am guilty of this. And I know that I'm not the only one. But what I'm afraid of is if we bring lost people in here, we bring our friends, we bring our family, yeah, we pray for them. Yeah, we say pray for them. And we bring them in here, and they get an experience with Jesus. But then we leave here, and it was all for the wrong reasons. See, they came and experienced the Jesus that some of y'all might have experienced. And I've been there. Even growing up in Nottingham, I had to go through that struggle of figuring out what's the difference between experience and transformation. And you say, what do you mean? It means that... Just about anybody, even some, and I've had it. I have had friends come in with me during high school that have not experienced church before, have never been around church. They're not in here right now, and I don't think they're watching live stream, but I want you all to pray for my neighbors. They have been coming pretty faithfully. Not exposed much to church, but they come in. They hear some of the great songs the choir's been singing. They see some of these people moving down to the altar, and I can see them back there. I mean, they're, they're getting teary-eyed. They're getting 
they're getting an emotion from it. And that's a starting block, yeah, but that's not what matters. So the Lord has really been putting it up on my heart and really blessing Lauren and I to have these Bible studies and this time that we can expound upon the word with them to let them see what really matters. It's nice to get into a service and it's nice to worship and it's nice to get up and just thank you, Jesus, for everything. Thank you, thank you, thank you. But what I'm worried about is how many people are leaving here and it's just Sunday morning, thank you, thank you, thank you, but I'm not living Jesus out there. What's gonna happen is the exact, you have the exact same experience that the man with dropsy had. You came, you got deliverance, you can come, you can get that good feeling. Oh, I went to church, man, the Lord got me moving. I cried, it was amazing. I feel so much better now. But I don't touch my Bible, I don't pray to him. He is not the Lord of my life because in everything that I do, I don't put him first and he's not my priority and I don't think about him unless I'm going to church on Sunday or every other week. That's just an experience. This man with dropsy missed the boat, why? Because the Pharisees most likely brought him here for the wrong intentions. And we have to be very careful, very careful about the Jesus that we expose our friends, family, and loved ones to. And you say, what do you mean, Robbie? Because there's a lot of religions that believe in Jesus. There's a lot of different sects that believe in Jesus. They don't believe in the same Jesus that we believe in. They ain't, it, it, they ain't worshiping the Lord and Savior Jesus that we profess. And I'm going to be real honest. If we come in here and we have lots of people flooding this place and we can't even barely hold them in, but 85% of them are coming in and they're worshiping this Jesus that just makes them feel good, but he's not the Lord of their life, what are we doing? We're missing the opportunity. And this man with dropsy, he left just as bad. I don't care if he got the healing. He left just as bad as when he first came in. Because if we live this life outside of this and we don't talk much differently than the world, we don't profess Christ, we're not putting him first before our, in, in our finances, in whether we buy this, before we buy this car, before we do anything. Christ wants to, it's a personal relationship. There is nothing too small or too big that he doesn't want to hear you profess about. But if we're just coming in because he makes us feel good. That is not the Jesus that we need to expose them to. Please don't expose your friends and family to your Jesus. Expose them to the true Jesus. The one that doesn't just come in and make you feel good, and, but the one that actually convicts your heart and you come into his presence and you realize how majestic he is and how magnificent he is and you realize for the very first time, even though your pride has to get cast down and this is why it gets uncomfortable when we have to tell someone that's lost or tell a friend or a family member, somebody that we have a good relationship, that they're a sinner and they're on their way to hell without this man named Jesus being made Lord and Savior of their life. That's an uncomfortable conversation, but I'd rather them leave here with some something that's real rather than something that's fake. So what are we doing? Verses five and six, and then we'll wrap it up. And answer them saying, which of you shall have an ass or an ox fallen into a pit and will not straightway pull him out on the Sabbath day? And they could not answer him again to these things. Here he is again. Dropping the hammer on them, where they're speechless, because he has the perfect question. And if we are in tune, you'll never have to face the deep, dark things in your life that you have to get out, like pride and ego, which are the hardest ones to get out. You'll never have to face those circumstances if you aren't close enough with Christ to listen and hear these type of questions. Because if, if you're reading your Bible and just zooming through it just to be able to check it off your list and you're praying just to zoom through it and check it off your list and you do that for months at a time, you're not going to hear these type of questions that are going to stop you in your tracks and make you think. And that's what we want sometimes. We don't want to be informed. We want the one to be informing. So we'll check off our list and we don't have to address the things that are in our closet. But he puts it into them plain as day here. He says, 
basically, we are willing to cast judgment and we are willing to just instantly throw it all out unless it's a situation that we are in. All of a sudden it changes. And this is still a debate. The, the thing that they brought up and the thing that they wanted to concentrate on is still such a debate today in some certain circles about, I see it all day long. Come on now, you're driving to church on Sunday morning, that guy's outside mowing his grass. First thing, you're like, Psh. sinner, sinner. You don't know that he went to church eight o'clock service. No, that's impossible, right? But and some people, some people have that line, right? So like, nope, I I don't care how high my grass is, I ain't mowing it on Sunday. That's fine. That's your conviction. But reality is, you probably just don't want to mow your grass because it's annoying. So that's benefiting you. But that same person that will say, I ain't mowing my grass on Sunday, they go inside to watch the ball game and the satellite dishes out. Oh, man, they're up there. You remember, I don't even know how many people still have a satellite dish even, but, you know, you're up there, you're cranking it, knocking the ice off, whatever it may be, or, or the rain, it got positioned in the wind. All of a sudden, it changes. Get what I'm saying? You can have your certain convictions, and you can have the things that convict you and the things that you want to apply in your life. But this goes back to Scripture versus tradition. And it's like, oh, we'll pick that, but man, I, but if I can't watch the ball game, I mean, whoop. I don't have to work on Sunday, but this cable guy is going to work on Sunday, for sure. You know, I don't care what kind of testimony it puts off. I'm getting my ball game. And, he's say, and what's really fascinating about this is he's not talking about, like, oh, if your ox falls in a pit, it's not just the fact for them that it's like they don't care anything about that ox. It's the fact that it's their ox. You say, what do you mean, Robbie? Meaning that if the neighbor's ox fell in a pit, they could probably care less. But it's their ox, and it's not that they even care anything about the animal. It's that that ox brings them gain, brings them money, bring, allows them to keep life going, so it's going to inconvenience them, so it benefits them. And for some reason... All of us fall guilty of it some way or the other. And I ain't asking for a show of hands because y'all hate me already. It's fine. But it's funny how that works, isn't it? That we are so quick to just be like, I can't believe that neighbor's picking his ox up out of the pit. How dare him? On a Sunday? And all of a sudden we look over here and Betsy's in the, Betsy's in the pit and we got to somehow hide out there under the cloak of night so no one sees us and we get Betsy out of the pit. Come on, y'all. That's what he's saying. He's like, listen, you're so quick. So quick. I love it. He just asks the question. And God will ask you those tough, legitimate, to-the-bone questions if you are in tune with him. Or... You can leave this place, talk about how you hate that ginger that said something you didn't like, and just keep praying the way you want, reading the Bible the way you want, and just go on bitter and angry and mad and judgmental and everything else you want to be. I don't know. Last but not least, this stuck out to me. God attaches that, and this is kind of something good just to praise and thank God for to end it. He's saying, wouldn't you do that, again, not the neighbor's ox, but if it was your ox? And I love how God compares it to their ox. Now, granted, it benefits them. But what made me praise God right there is the fact that I am the Lord's child. I am his. And I love that analogy that he gives, like, listen, Think about it this way. What if it was your ox? Then all of a sudden, is it bad to work on the Sabbath day? And he's putting it in perspective. And, there, and another reason why I think that he was doing that is because he looks at this man with dropsy. He looks at all the other miracles and all the other sinners and all the other prostitutes and all the other people that need deliverance, all the other drunkards, everything else he dealt with in the New Testament. He looked at all of them as his children. And I'm so thankful, so thankful that the Lord doesn't matter what day it is, even if it's on the Sabbath day, it doesn't matter what time of day, what hour it is. 
He is always there for us. Because we are his own. We can praise the Lord about that. All right, Mike. Heads bowed and eyes closed. I'll let Mike come up and take it from here. Man, thank you for the message tonight. They're coming to get a hymn ready of invitation. We might need it tonight. I couldn't help but think while Robbie was preaching, and I don't want to try to add to it or anything like that. But it is amazing the way that the Lord speaks right to our heart. And Jesus had that ability. And... Uh, he can definitely silence us as well. And so maybe you need to deal with that. Maybe your walk with the Lord is tradition. Maybe it has no heart. And maybe the way that Jesus is going to show that to you is that when somebody just needs you to show them a little compassion, you can't seem to change your tradition to make that happen. Hmm. The Bible says in Romans chapter 3 that for centuries God appeared unholy because he overlooked our sin not destroying us, not putting us away, but waiting patiently in holiness, in the tradition of his character, he should have destroyed us. But he was long-suffering towards us till Jesus came. Thank God for Jesus. Dear Heavenly Father, be with us during this invitation tonight. Use it in a special way. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. As we stand and sing. 294. Page 294. How deep the Father's love for us. How vast beyond all measure. That he would give his only son to a wretch is How great the pain of searing loss. The Father turns his face away as wounds which mar the chosen one bring sons to glory. Behold the man upon the cross, my sin upon his shoulders. Ashamed I hear my mocking voice call It was my sin that held him there until it was accomplished. His time.